So I think to start, uh, something that would be interesting to a lot of listeners, um, especially because it's a career path that probably interests a lot of people who are uh, love sports but probably couldn't go to the next level with it. Be, uh, I'm just wondering, how did you get your start in sports marketing and going into front offices? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. And for your listeners, the students, others, um, happy to share my experience with all of you. Um, I'm the poster child that anybody can be successful in the world of sports, because if I can do it, anybody can do it. And uh, just a, a sort of a brief background, I grew up on the East Coast. I was a so-so athlete, um, ended up sitting on a bench in college and basketball, which I was very proud of, hardly ever played, non-scholarship. And I was a government and international politics major. This is a long time ago, American University in DC. And I realized pretty quickly that wasn't me. Um, wasn't interested in it, didn't have the mind for it. And there were a lot of people in school that were way more intelligent than me. And, you know, this was a long time ago in the 1970s. Some of your parents probably weren't even born in the 1970s. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was always interested in sports and got involved in working in the intramural department to make some money. Colleges have pretty sophisticated intramurals. I liked the organizational part of it, always liked teamwork. And at that time I heard um, some talk about that there was a school for sports management in, in college. And I went, you know, that can't be, what? Yeah. I mean, ESPN didn't even exist at this time. Um, and sports was not the multi-billion dollar business with stadiums that cost two and three and four billion dollars. Players making, what, 25, 30 million bucks a year. It's ridiculous. Not for the players, but the numbers. So uh, I was able to get into the school, Ohio University, not Ohio State. And I was in one of the first graduating classes. And then as an example, um, guys and, and gals who are listening, I was very lucky. Uh, my first job was an intern with the Philadelphia 76ers. Now we look at the Sixers today, they look like they're cruising in the playoffs, they got stars. Uh, when I worked for the 76ers, um, they did something that no other basketball team has done since the time that I was there. And, and I was there from 1971 to 74. You got an idea what they did? Worst record of all time? Oh, uh, you've been doing your research, Henry. You know, Gus, you helping them? Yeah, yeah. So you can find anything on the internet, right? Nine and 73. That's not, you, you, you can't make that up. Nine and 73. Um, when the Warriors went 73 and nine, what was that, four years ago? Something like that. Um, I've been friends with Rick Welts, who was the president at that time. And I called Rick up and I said, hey, Rick, what do you think's harder? Going 73 and nine or nine and 73? And he just started laughing at me and sort of cursing at me too at the same time. 
And I said, no, really, Rick, there's, it might be you guys, you might have a better record than 73 and nine. Um, or, you know, now teams are made up by superstars deciding who they want to play with them. Although it's not worked out too well in LA, has it guys? No, oh, not, no. So <laughs> not so good. Um, or even the Nets not looking really good. So anyway, um, he laughed and that record has stood since 72, 73. I don't think it'll ever be broken, although there are some bad teams that come along. And so my lesson is truly that sports has grown to such a global business that there are so many more opportunities now for young people who are truly interested in getting in the business. And I don't mean, you know, athletes who are, you know, juniors or seniors and going, hey, I'm playing at the next level. I'm going to get a four-year ride. It's like, you know, that's fine. That's great. Go after your dream. But the chance of you playing and making a dollar as a professional athlete, it's going to be a tough road to hoe. The chance of you working in the world of sports um, is, is yours if you really want to work hard. Um, and guys, just to end this piece, that was the first program at Ohio University, again, back in the early 70s. Today, there's about 370 sports management programs, both undergrad and graduate school. And I know there's a few high schools that now offer some relative discussions in sports management in the world of sports. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I also saw that you uh, worked with a professional lacrosse team. What was that like and how different was that from NBA? Uh, well, it was really different, but again, let's understand that in the early seventies, the NBA was not the global powerhouse that it is today, right? When you see a warrior game or I'll be watching, you know, I work for these guys. And if you're a hoop fan, you look at John Morant going, holy cow, that guy can play. Um, and he's becoming a star. So, um, you know, it, it was a different business then. And my job at the 76ers was, you know, an entry level position, not making much money at all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, starting to think about maybe getting married and having a family and do all that, it, you know, that costs, that costs you. So I had this opportunity to go to indoor box lacrosse and lacrosse is a pretty, do you have a lacrosse team at school? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, both boys and girls. Yeah. 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 So you see um, the sport outdoors growing every day and Northern California has really uh, grown. I think to like lacrosse, you see it all over Indoor lacrosse, bit of a different sport, but still, if you have those skills, you can play. And um, it, it was an opportunity for me to go back to D.C., place that I knew and and work for an owner who was willing to give it a shot. Um, what, what was different is that we were importing entire teams in the league from Canada because lacrosse other than maybe Long Island where I grew up or the Washington DC Metro, 
Um, it didn't have any foundations in other places in the country. So these box players uh, were all Canadian. We'd play on weekends. We played at the Capitol Center in DC where the Wizards played. At that, back then they were called the Bullets and ultimately the Capitals. And we did pretty well. We were drawing about seven or 8,000 people a game. Um, you know, lacrosse is pretty violent. Any sport that you can hit people with sticks and not get thrown out of the game, yeah. you know, that's pretty tough. Um, and again, it was a great opportunity because um, the sport was just getting started. We could take chances. We could come up with sort of crazy ideas. And I've always been on the business side, not necessarily the player side. So I've always looked at marketing, promotion, sales, um, the ability to let people have a great time when they're coming to an event. So it was, it was great fun. Lacrosse players are like hockey players are the toughest SOBs around. Yeah. I mean, you know, guys would break a finger or something in a game and be back to play in the, you know, in the third period. Wow. Um, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then I was wondering when you have a team like the Sixers that one year, where they're really bad, what strategies do you use to keep up attendance? Well, you cry a lot, Gus. You just go home and you, you just break out into tears and go, what am I doing? Um, so we, um, we came up with a circumstance. When you're growing up, and I don't know, what, I'll ask you guys, when it, what's the first sporting event that you went to with your parents? What did they take you to? How old were you? Has to be a Giants game, probably a toddler, like any, any. Yeah. 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 I used to go to some Cal basketball games when I was pretty young. Right. And you didn't know that somebody was averaging 12.2 a game or the coach was under fire from the fans or management. You right. probably just went and you looked around and you smiled and you got some food and maybe you got a free cap or something and enjoyed yourself. Yeah. Um, you weren't into it yet. Like, oh, I can't believe the guy missed that slider. I mean, I would hit that for a home run. Um, so um, we were bad, um, you know, historically bad. And a lot of teams at that time to attract fans would give stuff away. And what teams are doing it today. Yeah. But the stuff they give away, I thought was pretty useless. Like you get a poster. Well, by the time the game's over, the poster is, you know, folded in 20 different ways. It's useless. And I decided, hey, you know what? Why don't we give away a uniform yeah. over a period of games? So if you come to X number of games, even though we suck, uh, can I say suck? Uh, yeah, yeah, we suck. Um, you know, one game you'd get socks. The next game, and this was all kids 14 or under. This wasn't for adults, right? Mm -hmm. So kids 14 or under in Philly were not driving to the game by themselves. They weren't walking to the game. So at the end of the season, you didn't really care that the team was um, horribly performing. You had free stuff. Yeah. And, you know, would someone maybe make fun of you because you were in Sixers? Maybe. But again, when you're younger age, you know, people make fun of you all the time for all manner of things. Um, so that sort of year of the uniform that we started, um, 
that sort of caught on and we you know you see it in all kinds of events now during halftime we would do different types of promotions to keep people interested because in many instances that was more entertaining to the fans than the actual team yeah um i would say that I went to a lot of Giants games when I was younger before I could really pay attention to the games. And I can't remember any of the gameplay. What I do remember is being ecstatic when I got a Tim Lincecum giveaway jersey. That's like one of the only memories I have from going to the game. So it definitely makes sense. I, I always laugh, guys, because <clears throat> and I, I understand analytics and metrics and it's it's a very important part of sports, especially on the player side mm-hmm. to go through all the opportunities of deciding who can play and who can't play and all all the numbers but still today to this day what's the greatest way to attract fans have a bobblehead giveaway yeah yeah i mean we see how the a's you know are struggling horrifically um in attendance that's a whole other story but you know, I, I heard they have an upcoming promotion, I guess, for maybe Memorial Day or something like that. And it's a drone, you know, these, these new drone technologies do stuff like fireworks, right? They can form all kinds of cool stuff in the sky at a night game. Nothing against that. I'm a big fireworks guy. Give me real fireworks. Um, but you give away bobbleheads, you give away, you know, caps and shirts and stuff that people are going to use anyway, that's going to attract more people. And if you do it on a game that uh, a bad team has a great performance or somebody does something spectacular, you remember that. Yeah. And you come back, you know, to your point, Henry, Hey, I got a Tim Lincecum shirt. Lincecum threw a three hitter. He looks like a high school kid. Uh, you know, I want to go to another game. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I kind of remember I went to a few Warriors games back in 2015. And I remember like getting a bobblehead or a poster or a shirt at every game. And there, there was always some kind of promotion. And now there's like no promotions. Well, yeah, I mean, now they they've gotten to a point where the product is so incredible yeah. um, and the tickets are so incredibly expensive. But, you know, when you uh, when you have a chance to see, see Steph come back or Clay or Jordan Poole become a star um, and have the team which, you know, was severely injured this year. And now everybody can be back in Chase Center. And it seems like the environment, the environment was always great in Oakland. Um, And because of COVID, they had problems um, in attendance and all that at at every arena and in Chase Center. But now where they're making a deep, you know, a deep run um, or will hopefully make a deep run, um, that enthusiasm will be back. And you're also seeing, you know, a player that's an incredible force of nature in Steph Curry. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that doesn't happen. And when Steph first came in, people were worried about his ankles and who's the skinny kid from Davidson? How, what's he here for? He can't play. Yeah, right. He can't play. Yeah. 
Um, so you mentioned a little bit about the A's, and I know you worked there for a while. Um, Are you having a hurricane out there? Yeah, I'm sorry. Windy? No, no. I'm just kidding. Can you hear us? Yeah, yeah, fine. So you mentioned uh, about the A's right now, and I know you worked there for a while when ticket sales were pretty low. Um, how would you relate the two situations? And yeah. Uh, well, it sort of breaks my heart uh, because there were a number of us um, under the Haas family ownership, which bought the team from Charlie Finley in 1980 and uh, went through 95 when they sold it to Steve Schott and Ken Hoffman. But, you know, we had some great teams, three World Series, the Bash brothers, Dave Stewart, Dennis Eckersley, Tony La Russa. We, you know, when I look at these attendances today, um, you know, they're playing the Orioles in a day game. So I went to the game on Tuesday night just because I wanted to see, like, what, you know, 3,000 people, 3, people, like, how do you only have 3,000 people? And even on opening night, they only had 17. Yeah. So you've got this situation now that the A's have been trying to build a new ballpark for the last dozen years. And they've gone through a lot of hurry up and waits, whether it's Fremont or the Peralta colleges, which people confuse with Laney or someplace in Jack London Square. And now they've said, well, we're down to either Howard Terminal at the Port of Oakland or we're going to Las Vegas. Like, yeah. what? 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 <laughs> You're going to Las Vegas. Um, well, the, the horrible part of this is even though it's across the Bay Bridge, the Warriors are gone and there's never going to be another NBA team in Oakland. Yeah. Maybe a WNBA team, but not an NBA team. Yeah. Raiders gone to Vegas, never be another NFL team. The A's, their lease is up, I don't know, 24, I think 2024 um, might be next year, but I think it's 24. And they're making all kinds of noise. We got to really look at Vegas if we can't do this Howard Terminal ballpark. And part of the reason for the negative attendance is in the offseason, again, they traded away spectacular young players, right? Yeah. Um, Chapman, Olsen. Get. You know, the year before, Marcus Simeon, who's local, St. Mary's High School, Cal. Uh, Bob Melvin, who I think is one of the most underrated managers in all of baseball, he leaves. So all that's gone. You know, you're getting players that have some ability, but nobody knows them. Um, and they say, well, we can't afford that because we have, you know, a crummy stadium and we don't have ticket revenues and we don't have parking. We don't have food and beverage and all that stuff. Well, a lot of that is self-inflicted. They've done it to themselves. Yeah. Uh, they didn't need to trade all those players. They have an owner who's worth over $3 billion. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. That's, not, that's not $3 or $300 million. That's $3 billion. Yeah. Who never talks to the media, never talks to the public, leaves that to his president, uh, Dave Cavill. And it's like if you guys have a favorite restaurant or place that you hang out and you go to, there's a reason that you go to it. Right. I mean, yeah. everybody's there. The food is decent. It doesn't cost an outrageous amount of money. Um, 
But if you were told, hey, we just raised our prices by 75% and the food that was good is now not so good. And the nice people that ran the place ain't so nice. You wouldn't go back there. It's pretty simple. Um, so they put themselves in this situation, not by some outside event. What their strategy is, is pretty hard to decide. I mean, most people would say, okay, they're trying to put Oakland against Las Vegas, right? I get that. But Oakland doesn't have the money to build anything at Howard Terminal. And Las Vegas, you know, we look at the success of the Golden Knights, the Raiders, at least early on, we'll see. But um, I don't know that Vegas is gonna be uh, bending over backwards. And they're going to have to play in a dome stadium because of the heat. Yeah. So I just think that, you know, my favorite baseball team right up there yeah. has put themselves in a situation that they didn't need to be in. And when they say, oh, well, this is just um, part of the problem where fans aren't going to the game because it's the Coliseum. Um well, look at our attendance record. You know, opening night, 50,000 people. Um, so don't tell me the team can't draw. And you guys see it. Um, when we were really hot, all through the East Bay, people were wearing green and gold. Now they're wearing orange and black for the Giants. How, think about how rare it is to see people wearing A's stuff, right? Yeah. You, you don't see it much. And that, that's part of the problem. Yeah, I saw somewhere that the A's minor league affiliate is outselling them in tickets. The Las Vegas Aviators. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm working, you know, I do some writing for a publication called The Ultimate Sports Guide. And I would just say, um, I know we're, we're going for what, like a half an hour in yeah. this? Um, so, I can I can sell right. Am I allowed to sell stuff? All you want. Yeah. So uh, there's a few books that I've been part of uh, for those people, and I'll be happy to send you guys this if you want to share it with anybody. Yeah. Uh, this one is not even a year old, and there's a and you don't have to be an NCAA athlete, but I'm sure a lot of of your fellow students are student athletes and care about it. Yeah. This book will tell you a lot of what we've just talked about in, in more detail. And, you know, it's a simple read. It's not 942 pages. Um, so I've done this with a few other people. Um, this one is my newest book. And it basically talks about how we started. Like, what is the sports business? What are the opportunities? Where are the jobs? How do I, you know, if I graduate from college, do I go to business school or should I go to one of these sports management programs? What happens when I go from the 76ers to the Maryland Arrows? Who the hell are the Maryland Arrows? Yeah. Um, how do you move from team to team? Is that good or bad? Um, so this book, LOL, which most people would say, oh, cool, you know, laugh out loud. I go, no, loss of logo. Um, and I'm working on another book now with a very accomplished 
writer named Dave Newhouse about what we just talked about, the horrible tragedy that Oakland may lose all three sports teams. Yeah. Without ever, and you guys, you know, uh, and millions of people that supported these teams, loved them. What are they supposed to do? I mean, luckily you can go to see the Giants and you can go down and see the 49ers and you've got the Warriors, but the East Bay and Oakland, they'll they'll be done over. Yeah. And that's just tragic because Oakland has a lot of good stuff going on, but it doesn't do a very good job of telling a positive story. No. Right? Yeah. So uh, I know you've uh, worked with almost every major sport in America. So uh, I'm just I haven't done mud wrestling. And mud wrestling. <laughs> I was... I was talking to somebody today, no, no BS. Uh, this guy helps to run monster truck yeah. in the United States. And I'm working on a project that may, uh, may engage monster trucks. So I'm going like, I'm not a gearhead, but like, holy cow, I'm talking to a guy that runs monster truck. Yeah. Um, what, what would you say has been your favorite like team to work with or just sport to be with? Well, I loved um, my time working for the Oakland A's because there's three key elements that I think are important in anything that you do, whether it's your high school, your friendship, your family, or wherever you work, teamwork, leadership, and trust. It seems simple, but think about circumstances that you're in in your young lives. Where do you always find teamwork, leadership, and trust? Sports. Uh, well, you do, but there's 122 sports teams in the big four leagues, right? Mm -hmm. NHL, NBA, you know, MLB and NFL. How many of those all have quality teamwork, leadership and trust? Not all of them. Mm -hmm. um, surely not the nine and 73 Philadelphia 76ers or last year's Detroit Lions football team or whoever is the worst team in the NBA this year. So um, what I always looked for was quality ownership and the Haas family, the people that are involved with Levi Strauss, a fairly well-known uh, uh, pants brand like Global. They own the A's for a number of years and we had teamwork, leadership and trust throughout, even though we weren't always good in that time period. Um, and what I always looked at was my job. So if you look at sports organizations, think of them as a triangle. Up at the top of the triangle is ownership. At one part of the base of the triangle is the team side, which is the most important. You know, how good are you? Who are your players? And the other side is business operations, your venue, the stadium, how well uh, fans are treated when they come to a game. Clearly, there's a pretty big difference between, you know, where the Giants play now and where the A's play. And there was, you see new stadiums all the time, and some of them are spectacular. So um, what I always look for is the fan. I tried to put myself in the role of the fan because we hear about all these incredible salaries that are being paid and multi-billionaires are owning teams and 
billionaires are threatening to move from one city to the next, as we talked about regarding the A's. Um, the fan is the one, even though it's a privately held company, you know, none of these teams are public other than the Green Bay Packers, I guess. All right. Um, and so if you don't think about the fan, if you don't think about the consumer, then you're dead meat. And, you know, I would say no matter what, uh, what teams are losing, have losing records, some of them still draw fans because the experience is as positive as they could make it and others, not so much. So um, if I'm answering your question, what attracted me, what I think is most important is how you treat your fans, how you treat your business partners. And those are the franchises that usually stand the test of time. And, you know, in the Bay Area, the Giants have done it extremely well. Um, the Warriors over the last few years are just absolutely killing it. A's not so much. Um, Niners, you know, they've, they've had their ups and downs, but the NFL is, is monumentally successful. Um, so uh, there's also plenty of opportunity in, you know, fantasy sports, gaming, things are really changing. You know, Gus, you mentioned that you, started off going to Cal games and, you know, that could be super exciting and you're seeing great athletes of the future. And, you know, we've got some minor league teams, we've got, you know, USL soccer, you know, you got the quakes here, but you got the Oakland roots. There's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. And um, besides, you know, just giving out bobbleheads and jerseys and <laughs> whatnot, what else goes into making a fans experience good and enjoyable? Mm -hmm. I like to call it the driveway to driveway experience. So if you're thinking of going to any game and the Bay Area has got, you know, what, 7 million people. Um, and, you know, if you go north to Sacramento, south to San Jose, east, you know, out to the end of the East Bay, you know, fans are coming in all different fashions. They're driving, they're coming on BART, they're um, maybe coming in by train, et cetera. And it's not just, did we win the game or lose? It's what's the process once you guys decide that you are going, let's say you're going to an A's game on Saturday, they're home against the Rangers. It's the whole experience. What was it like to park? How was it? when we came into the ballpark. Now everything's electronic, right? You don't have a, a paper ticket, you have this. Did your hashtag work? Did they welcome you? Did you have to get everything out of your pockets? Um, when you came in, did somebody greet you? Could you find signage that showed where your seats were if that was your first visit? Did you have to wait online for 22 minutes to get a food item? All of that, to your question, is the most important point. And then you're also going home. So did it take you 25 minutes to get out of the parking lot? Your brain is exploding. Um, you know, were there people there taking care of directing? And so if you get home, again, in that driveway to driveway experience and go, you know what? We had a great time. Maybe the team lost. 
six to two. But you know what? The experience was really positive. Let's buy tickets to another game. If you had a terrible experience, even if it had nothing to do with the game itself, um, you're going to tell a lot of people about it. Yeah. Just as you would in your, your life right now, if something goes bad, whether it's teachers, whether it's the lunchroom, whether it's places that you're hanging, places you're going on the weekend, you're going to tell people if it's good and you're going to tell people it's bad. And now through this, yeah. you can literally tell people and show people what's going on. So uh, you can't hide stuff, right? The word secret doesn't exist anymore yeah. in my world. If that answers your question. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I'd love to keep asking you questions about all of this, but I think that's about time. Uh, we'll let you go watch the Grizzlies game. Um, <laughs> do I have to pay you guys when we're done? Is, is, do you send me a bill? How does this work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll send you a link when the podcast is out. Um, and thank you so much for coming on. Guys, uh, I really appreciate um, the research you've done because clearly – You've, you've done some reading uh, about the business. You've done some reading about me. 63% uh, of it is true. So, um, you know, that's okay. Um, and I look forward to another time in the future. Um, happy to speak with you about this. And if you have questions once this goes out to any of your friends that maybe you can't answer, throw them my way and I'll try to answer them. Definitely. Thank you for All right. Yeah, See you guys. Be Bye. well.